find yourself thinking that you're not good enough or that you're not lovable? Many people hide a dark side that they feel that if others knew their secrets, it would be detrimental to their relationships. It doesn't need to be that way at all. This is where words can't reach. Shedding light on our dark side with your host, Dr. Madeline DeLittle can help. It's time for a frank and open discussion about the things that are bothering us and say what needs to be said. Dr. DeLittle and her guest experts are here to help you understand and provide advice. Now, here is Dr. Madeline DeLittle. Hello and welcome to Voice America Empowerment Channel. My name is Dr. Madeline DeLittle and you're listening to Where Words Can't Reach, Shedding Light on Our Dark Side. Well, today's topic is shaming couples, and uh, my guests today are experts on this topic. Uh, They're international trainers and therapists, Brett Lyon and Sheila Rubin, and welcome to both of you. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. It's lovely. It's been been a while to get you here. But so shame, shame is so prevalent in couples, and yet, you know, I'm not sure how much people really know what they're doing and how much shame is going on between couples and so I'm going to sort of alternate between you and I want to start with you Brett but and first ask you about um, what, why you're delving into shame what is it about shame you have this center on healing shame what is it about shame that is motivating for you well, I'm glad you asked that because um, it's all about couples and the way I kind of came to it was when Sheila broke up with me. Uh, we're, we're now married, but this was a long time. Oh. <laughs> uh, and, uh, she said she couldn't take it anymore. Uh, that I was, She said it would almost be easier if I was always difficult. She didn't use the word difficult. Uh, but if but some, I'm so nice, and you know, I'm a sensitive guy, and, and then all of a sudden I would get ice cold, and I would get nasty, and um, she couldn't deal with it anymore. And, and I didn't really, I'm the nicest guy in the world. I mean, I have friends who've known me for 30 years, never seen me angry. But somehow that was not the case with Sheila or my other significant others, and I'd had three serious relationships, and everybody now is angry at me. So uh, I had to start looking at myself Mm -hmm. and what I came to, and it took a lot, but I I had a client who wasn't getting better, which, by the way, is is kind of a sign of shame that you don't get better because you're not addressing the issue. So we thought, well, maybe there's a shame issue here. And we started looking at it. I started reading about shame and I realized that was my situation, that I was actually reacting to shame in the typical male reaction, which is to get angry. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I started picking up how that worked and I realized she'd be crazy to be with me at this point. <laughs> because, you know, I, I had no uh, control over it and I had to really work on myself and it took a long time and I had no help. I'd gone to therapy and I had a, a pretty good therapist and basically he said, doesn't something happen before you get angry? And I said, no, nothing happens. I just get angry. And that was the end of the, the subject. That I mean, was just dropped. But what I came to understand is it's shame that creates that reactive anger, particularly in men, but in women too. It's one possible reaction to shame, and that's the one I had. And until I got a handle on it, which I finally did, I, I knew – nothing was going to work. So I did work on myself and I did get a handle on it. And finally I proposed to her and she said, we have to go to couples therapy. which we did, <laughs> And we worked stuff out and it still, it still comes up for me, but at least I can talk about it now and I can deal with it more. First thing I learned to do was to take a walk and now I don't have to do that anymore. I can actually feel it happening and I can react to it. And I can get some control over it, and I can talk about it. So that's I have a very, very personal interest yeah. in this. Yeah, thank you, Brad. I didn't know that. Thank, thank you. And it, it seems like it's old. It's coming from an old place. Would you it's say? Very, yes, shame uh-huh. is very old. It comes from childhood. It comes from being shamed. Basically, shame comes uh-huh. from being shamed. But yeah. shame is a big topic. And it, it, being shame doesn't mean somebody is necessarily wagging their finger at you. 
But any break in attunement, any miss in attunement can create shame. And let's, for the listeners, just explain misattunement. They might not understand what, what you're meaning by that. Okay, um, sure. Well, I think, you know, Sheila will also comment on this, but in terms of basically we're, we're constantly connecting with each other or dropping each other. We're constantly making bids for attention. And those bids can either be accepted and reciprocated or they can be ignored. And people are busy. Parents are busy. They're doing their thing. And they may not pick up on what's going on for the child. Or they may be in disagreement or they may not be able to understand. And there's some way in which the child feels dropped or right. not paid attention to or criticized or blamed. And mm. this can lead to shame. Great. Thanks, Brett. Let's, Sheila, let's go to you now. You're, you teach this work all around the world, and uh, you also are a therapist. So you, have, you actually walk this talk with clients. And yes. what, what about you? <laughs> Sounds like you are the other half of what motivates you. Yes, well, I'm also co-director and co-creator of the Center for Healing Shame. Brett and I founded that together. Um, and before I met Brett and before I broke up with him, um, I had learned to work with my own shyness. I was a shy child. I'm mm. putting that in quotes. Yeah. Um, I know it's a radio program, but I'm putting it in quotes. But, you know, the shyness as a kid and I healed myself of the shyness through being a magician as a kid and um, you know, gradually uh, doing things that would take me out of that shyness. I never knew that shyness was actually shame. And I actually became a therapist, figured out, oh, wow, if shyness equals shame, then all of the things that I figured out how to work with myself, work with the shyness, get beyond that, will also help my clients. And I was working... In a, I'm a marriage and family therapist and a drama therapist. And so about 20 years ago, I was the eating disorder specialist at a hospital. And I noticed that my clients, uh, they had this inner critic and they had mm. perfectionism and they were putting mm. themselves down yeah. incessantly and coping with food. And I realized I had to get whatever was that secret conversation going on inside that was running those eating disorder behaviors, I'm like, what is that? And I realized that my shyness and my shame, working with that, I learned how to work with the inner critic. So I created all these exercises to help them deal with their inner critic, deal with their perfectionism, you know, deal with the level of, misattunement and misconnection mm. they have with themselves so years later when I was dating Brett you know and he started putting me down and you know saying very you know nasty unkind things and I was feeling you know kind of an energetic punch in the belly kind of a real put yes. down that my shame <clears throat> came up from childhood my shame came up I started putting myself down, started reading all these books, you know, what's wrong with him, you know, <laughs> <laughs> diagnosed him, tried to send him to anger management, but it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't that, it was something very subtle, and it was a misattunement, and I would look away from him, or I would say I have to go see my clients now, or I have to, you know, be on the cell phone now. And something would happen where he felt, you know, put down or dropped. Yes. And there was a subtle shame that was happening there. And I thought, okay, I know how to work with this. I can work with my clients, you know. But it's different with women and it's different with men. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it seems to be amplified yeah. in relationships, intimate relationships, Totally, yeah. totally, totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's go to a definition. We've got anger. We've got shyness. Brett, can you can you can you nail what shame is? 
Yeah, we, we actually work from two definitions. I can give you the first one. Sheila likes to do the second one, but okay. they're very tough. Uh, the first one is from Brene Brown, and it's the most complete de- definition of shame. And it's a three-part definition. Shame is the incredibly painful feeling or experience of believing we are flawed, yeah. therefore unworthy of love and belonging. And I love that definition because it covers the ground. It's all of it. It's it's a feeling or experience. She's she's putting it in the body where it belongs, in the emotional state. Shame is a primary emotion, and it, it exists in the body. But, but it's an interesting emotion because it's an emotion of believing we are flawed. Mm-hmm. So it's basically an embodied cognition, which is very unusual. It's something that uh, completely ties the mind and the body together. We believe we're flawed and we have this horrible feeling inside. And then the third part is the key. Excuse me. Uh, It's believing we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. And that's really the key to the definition. I'm flawed. There's something wrong with me. And because there's something wrong with me, I'm not worthy of love and belonging. Now, Now, chronologically, this happens in a different way. Um, We used the word misattunement before. Basically, there's a misattunement in childhood. It can be mild. It can be severe. It's not once. It happens over and over again. Um, There's a a whole thing about how connected a mother can be with a child or a parent can be with a child. So when the misattunement happens, there is this drop in the sense of being loved and belonging. And Mm. you can only make one kind of sense out of it. It must be my fault. There must yeah. be something in me that's wrong, and that's why mom is yelling at me or dad isn't paying any attention to me or the parents divorce, or whatever happened. The child makes the definition that involves themselves, and that's a put-down of themselves. Mm-hmm. There's something with me, and, and shame becomes this wonderful, coherent narrative. It explains everything that happens, because everything that happened that's bad is because there's something wrong with me. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, and then it becomes self-fulfilling. Right. Exactly. There yeah. you go. Doesn't start. I am unlovable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sheila, did you want to add on to that? Yes, absolutely. Go, go absolutely. for it. <laughs> so um, my favorite definition of shame is uh, Gershon Kaufman's shame is the breaking of the interpersonal bridge. And I want to say that again. Shame is the breaking of the interpersonal bridge. There's a bridge between us and our partner where we're um, kind of expecting that that person's going to be there. Uh, We're expecting that person's going to be there for us in some way to have a conversation, to, you know, say hello, to, you know, agree with, um, you know, it's a nice day or let's go to the movies or something. And um, the breaking of that interpersonal bridge Create shame in one or both people. This is, this can be so subtle. It can be the lack of eye contact when somebody says, where were you? And somebody looks away. You know, this can be so subtle of somebody just having a very subtle misattunement. One or both people can go into shame. Mm-hmm. And shame is so painful that instead of that back and forth interaction, one person is focused on themselves. What did I do wrong? What's wrong? And the other person might get focused on what's wrong with you, you know, if they're reacting to shame. So understanding what shame is, it's this breaking of the interpersonal bridge gives me a lot of, yeah, it's like that's what happens. And to understand that's what happened, I can help couples understand. Yeah, that little thing when you didn't get the groceries, they felt you didn't hear them. They felt you dropped them. They felt they couldn't trust you. That's shame. So to fix this, the good news about this. Yeah, let's go to the good news. (laughs) We can actually, understanding what causes the shame is that misattunement, the misunderstanding, the, the, the um, blowing something in somebody's mind 
not making a mistake that a person didn't even know was a mistake and they didn't realize that they dropped the other person. So being able to say, wow, when you didn't call me at that time, I felt dropped. I felt like I didn't matter to you. And it it really hurt my feelings. And the other person can say, wow, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. You know, I just Mm -hmm. was busy and they're yeah yeah well I caused I felt like I didn't matter to you that is shame you know I felt like something's wrong with me I felt like you know you didn't care understanding that that is the emotion of shame is so important it's pervasive it sounds like we're all walking around yes with it it's not it's not, it's not a certain group of folks who've been really harmed that are walking around with it. It's, it's all of us have got... To- it's, it's a primary emotion. It's mm. wired into our nervous system. It's here for survival. It's here to protect us. And every emotion has an action tendency. And shame's action tendency is to pull away and hide. And that's important to understand that. Because when somebody goes into shame, between a couple, there is something that happens. There's the shame, shaming moment, and then there's the reaction to shame where the partner can, you know, get all, you know, well, you know, bent out of sorts. So this is the basis of couples therapy? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Wow. Okay. I had uh, one couple that came, a guy called me and he said, um, you know, my wife flew my cell phone out the window. Do you work with that? And I'm expecting this very, you know, <laughs> violent, you know, muscle woman who must have like, you know, wrestled him to the ground and throw his cell phone out the window. That's what he's <laughs> describing on the phone. And it's this diminutive, you know, woman with this really sweet, you know, shy voice. And, you know, I said, okay, you want to do couples therapy, you know. She says, I threw the damn phone out the window. He was always looking at the phone instead of me. You know, he was always doing work instead of me. And when I, when we got to, you know, we got to our vacation and there is the snow and we're supposed to go skiing and he's still on the cell phone. She's like, you're right. I threw it out the window. (laughs) (laughs) And I was able to talk with him and, and say to her, what happened when he's always looking at the phone? And she said, she felt dismissed. She felt like she yes. didn't matter. Yes. And that's shame. And I was able to say to both of them, oh, you felt you felt shame that he was choosing work and his cell phone over you. When I help them unpack that, mm. when I help them like really look at that, yeah. and we were able to heal the rupture, he was able to apologize to her and say, I'm sorry, I put work first. She was able to apologize for throwing the cell phone out, you know, out the window. Um, But it was able to heal the rupture and Mm. shame that had been just, you know, escalating with them. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. I I want to go back to you, Brett, and talk about, you mentioned... uh, in our conversation about blame, the blame-shame game. Can you can you speak to that? What yeah. happens in couples? Yeah, I want to actually uh, cover some uh, the, the basic unit of couples because we're transitioning from talking about shame to talking about shame in couples. That's and yeah. If the if shame is the breaking of the interpersonal bridge, then the couple is where it can possibly be restored. So. Um, there's a, a John Bowlby quote that's very important, which is, we determine who we are through the eyes of those we love. Mm-hmm. And that's actually from a child and a parent. So we bring whatever shame we have, whatever determination we've made of who we are based on our parenting, we bring that in, into the relationship. And so we get into a question of shame triggers, which I think Sheila will talk more about. Where we're not just causing the shame as a couple. I'm not causing Sheila's shame. She's not causing mine. We're triggering old mm-hmm. material. That you mm-hmm. kind of into that. We're triggering this old stuff that's that's in there. All these old wounds get get touched on, and couples can really wound each other 
incredibly, and you become an expert at doing it. Oh, where the vulnerability is. Yes. Sometimes intentionally, mostly unintentionally, but then if one person does it unintentionally, the other person may do it intentionally back. So you get this of conflict and and difficulty that Sheila's talking about that can be worked on and restored in the way that, that she said. And, and I forget what your question was. I want to. Oh, the blame game shame. Yeah, yeah. The blame, so that's the blame, the blame, blame shame. Yeah. That, that basically, that's Sheila's term, by the way. She came up with it, which I, I just love it. it mm-hmm. It's where couples blame each other and shame each other on a constant basis. Just in terms of Sheila and me, Sheila is like the nicest person in the world. And, and she really has a big, big heart. Um, it's always impressive to me. However, Sheila can be a little spacey. So she can forget things and she can kind of go off onto her cell phone, which she talked about cell phone. That triggers off this old material where I was very abandoned as a kid. And so then I can react to that uh, by getting angry. And then my shaming is more direct than, you know, than hers is. Hers is really just simply missing attunement and kind of going off into her own world. But this triggers, her stuff comes from her childhood, my stuff comes from mine. Oh, gosh. (laughs) It goes round and round. It's a vicious cycle, is it? And that's the blame-shame game. That that, uh, I mean, Sheila doesn't do the blaming usually. If she does it, she does it kind of privately. She's said before that she gave me all these diagnoses, you know, what was wrong with me. Uh, I do mine verbally, you know, more, more actively. But it's still a, a blame-shame game. It's, it's, it's uh, one person's feeling the shame, and they can maybe blame the other person, and the other person feels shame and blames back, either, either, uh, in, in, in either verbally or internally. Sometimes it's very internal. And, uh, and that's the blame-shame game. So before we go to break, Sheila, uh, what about these shame triggers? What, tell me more about that. Well, the shame triggers are, um, they're just kind of uh, wired into relationships. These are things that are going to happen in the everyday normal things. And so I want to name several of them that are very easy to kind of identify. And they just, they happen and nobody understands that they may by accident shame their trigger. So feeling put down, feeling ignored feeling dismissed, um, fear that the person is not um, holding up for, you know, what the partner needs in them. If she's not happy, that reflects on me. Thinking that the other is making them the bad guy. Even hearing the word no, being turned down, saying no, I can't do that, that can create shame. Or turning the other person down. Sorry, honey, I can't do that. Um, And here's a big one. Asking the other person to calm down can be incredibly shaming. Whoa. So any of the not not getting the attachment needs met leads to feeling the rupture of the interpersonal bridge. So if a person feels like their partner is putting them down, even though the partner says, I, that's just what I'm feeling, you know? It's like they're having their shame reaction, and then they're having reaction to shame. And it's not surprising so many couples' uh, relationships don't work out because we're not aware of this. This is not, not a subject that gets talked about, which is exactly why I wanted to to use this opportunity for the for the time I have over the next few months to talk about this, yeah, this it's, pervasive it's, thing. It is the most important thing. I've worked with couples for probably 20 years. This is the most important thing in couples therapy is to be able to understand this emotion of shame and how to repair it. Mm. Because there's, it's repairable and it is healable, and the partner can repair with love and connection. But so when we, important. yeah. So when we come back from the break, in just a minute, we're going to look at exactly what she's saying. How how does 
this is all very well. It's a bit scary, actually. But how does how does that heal in a, in couples, and and uh, you know to give hope to folks that are just going around around on this hamster wheel of blame and shame and and hurting and never getting off it. So that's what I want to do when we uh, after the break and uh, and look at give our listeners some hope and um, and to see what they can do. I mean, to, to, you know. I'm assuming they don't all have to go to therapy, but they can actually do some work within themselves. It sounds like yes, stopping yes. the reactivity and talking honestly, absolutely, absolutely, they can do that. Being we'll responsible, that. Yeah. yes, yeah. I have yeah. some great, a great suggestions after the break. Wonderful. There's okay. hope. There's hope. <laughs> Thanks so much. Well, let's go to break and uh, we'll be back in a, a couple of minutes. Thanks so much. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. If you want to know more about how to work with children and adults to transform shame, depression, loss, and anxiety, order Dr. DeLittle's book, Where Words Can't Reach, Neuroscience and the Satir Model in the Sand Tray. The book is available online from Dr. DeLittle's website, wherewordscannotreach.com. Dr. DeLittle also conducts workshops and can come to your workplace or organization. If you wish to have Dr. DeLittle come and do a two-day workshop on an introduction to neuroscience and satire in the sand tray, please contact her at mdelittle at gmail.com. You need to live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our listeners have told us that they want to be motivated, hear about success stories, and positive encouragement around the clock. And we've responded to you. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's here at voiceamericaempowerment.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Where Words Can't Reach, shedding light on our dark side. We'd love to hear from you with any stories, suggestions, or questions by sending an email to mthelittle at gmail.com. Here again is Dr. Madeline DeLittle. Welcome back to Words Where Words Can't Reach, Shedding Light on Our Dark Side. My guests today are Sheila Rubin and Brett Lyon, and we're talking about shame within couples and how we trigger each other. And in this part of the show, we're actually going to look at what can we do in, as a couple to transform that, that harm that's been done in, um, through shame. So, so Brett, is it Brett, would you like us to... to start with this and and how the healing part of this process let me say something about us and then sheila can talk more about lovely than i do um but uh, in terms of our work um we you know we went to couples therapy and it was it was tricky because the couples therapist had a lot of trouble as most therapists do understanding shame or working with it it's not taught in uh, in couple in um, in therapy training, it's 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 something that's coming into the field more and more now, mm-hmm. and so that's a good thing. But she really was able to help me kind of get a sense of what was going on and to control my reactions. And and I think that the first step for me was realizing that I, for a lot of men, it's a question of realizing that you're reacting to shame. That the anger is is a reaction too. It's a secondary emotion, uh, and there's something else that's happening before that. And realizing, even sometimes intellectually, realizing, oh, this is shame. Mm-hmm. This is where this is where this anger is coming from. The underlying thing is, I feel ashamed. I feel put down. That's the word Sheila likes to use a lot. But you know, and then you you kind of begin to work with that. And then I've been able to express in more reasonable, and I would become very tongue-tied 
I'm, I'm very verbal. But when shame hits you, it kind of freezes you. And so I would mm-hmm. tongue-tied. So I had to learn to, you know, take deep breaths and maybe take a little walk and do something to calm myself enough to be able to talk and to say in words what was coming out in a lot of nasty words. Because when, when nothing else is left, you sometimes can go to the nasty stuff. So, so that was really a, a process that took us a, a couple of years to get straightened out. And then Sheila also had to see that she had a part to play. Even though she was not the one doing the shaming, there was a way in which she was involved in it. Uh-huh. Like seeing both people seeing their part in the interaction and in what happens between them uh, and, and not dismissing the partner's reaction to it. I think that's the most important is if your partner has a reaction, don't just say, well, she's crazy you know, or he's, or he's uh, violent or something. Really try to look at what's going on between you that leads to uh, this kind of response. So that, that's what I would say about it. So I just want to add there that, so it's like there's a there's another layer to anger, which is really the source of the it's the, the wellspring of anger is shame. It's not anger management. It's it's not not shame management exactly, but it's it's the shame that really is 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 where the work has to be done, not the anger. Well, I I, I think there is anger management. There is anger, and anger is a primary emotion as well. But anger in in the case in the stuff we're talking about. Anger generally is secondary to shame. It's really a, a way of, de- of mm-hmm. man defending himself against these feelings. Shame is a feeling of powerlessness. You feel very powerless. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. the man is defending himself, or the woman in some cases, defending themselves against that powerless feeling by going to the most powerful of feelings. Right. Oof. So going from a freeze, you mentioned freeze, to a fight all yeah. in one second. Right. Wow. Yeah, right. she didn't, we didn't actually cover that, but shame is a freeze state. It's a state of freeze. Mm-hmm. Freezes the nervous system. So you go to the place where you're most activated. Yeah. Right. And you fight for your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Sheila, back to you then. You're going to speak more about this and the yes. healing part. Yeah, the healing part. Um, for couples to understand that, um, number one, it's not their fault. You know, when I get two mm-hmm. couples in my office, they both have like secretly told me on the call, you know, you're going to fix my partner, right? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, yeah, it's all his fault. It's all her fault, you know, but I, you know, I joke about that, but I say, um, there's something called in, in your world and in her world. And to be able to explain that there's, um, you know, we're trying to be able to see Everybody comes in and they try to tell me what happened, what really happened, if I could, if you could understand what really happened. Well, I wasn't there, you know, so I'll say, how did it feel to you? Because the partner can't argue with that, you know. I let them focus on the feelings. Um, and Sue Johnson talks about, um, you know, attachment in her EFT therapy. The, the question is, are you there for me? So I'm really trying to help the couple in their rupture, in their dealing with that misattunement, when they felt dropped by the partner. Mm. It's like, how do they realize, why did the partner drop them? Well, in their world, they had different feelings. Mm. Maybe they were hurt. Maybe they were sad. Maybe they felt, you know, like, like you didn't, you know, care about them. And so in the couples therapy, I gently with great care begin to help one person be able to listen to the others how were you hurt how were you dropped and ultimately did you feel what did that say about you and this is key Mm. what did that say about you Mm. means that's the shame that's where the shame is well, it says that if she doesn't, blah, 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 you know, that I'm not a good enough husband or I'm not a good enough wife or whatever. It's like to get to the shame, what does it mean about them? Mm. And what does it mean about them as a couple? And to be, and I'm constantly counter shaming. And I'll say in a kind voice, boy, you really meant well when mm. you did this. You really thought that buying, the chocolate and buying the 
the flowers was going to really heal the rupture that had happened. Mm. And with her, what she needed was she didn't need chocolate. She didn't need ice cream. All of that, she really wanted you to say, I felt dropped. And let's talk about that. Because in her attachment, she needed needed to be listened to. So I say there's two realities. Yes. I just want to... I don't. I don't want to get our listeners to think that they are responsible for healing their partner. No. Right. No. I, so there's a. This is a. So it's a. It's a two-way process, right? It's a two-way ongoing ex- yeah. exploration of each other's tender parts. Tender it's spots. So important. It's like it's not our job to fix our partner. Mm-hmm. Not our job to heal our partner. Thank you. That's so clear. Um, it is our job to love ourselves and understand what emotions get triggered in the relationship and be able to, to the best of our ability, share that with a partner in a way that they can hear us and be there for us. Mm-hmm. And something gets in the way sometimes where the other person needs for us to pause and say, wait a minute, this you know, this affects me, and I need you to be with me in a different way. So it's kind of like listening with the heart instead of the mind. It's like yeah. listening with a kind voice and saying, did I miss something? Tell me more. It's about being curious. It's about being there not to fix the partner, but to fix this you know, blame shame game if that's what's happening mm. or to fix the the place where they're getting, you know, disconnected from the partner and trying the shame heals it it it's um you know shame heals through restoring this interpersonal bridge between the couple. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways to restore it is to help the person witnessed the shame with great love and care. Wow! I, I mean, do you have do you have ideas that listeners can can take away from 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 this show today around what they could do differently or how they could, with or without a therapist, but just yes. begin to. Yes. Yes. You Thank you for that? asking that question. The first thing is to just slow way down. When something happens in a couple and they're triggered and whatever's happened in between them, just kind of pause, slow down, take a deep breath, maybe even, you know, show this timeout sign and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute here. Let's take a timeout for five minutes and come back and talk about this. Or let's just in the moment pause And just say, okay, I don't know what happened. Mm. I wasn't meaning, looks like Mm. you're really scared, or it looks like you're really hurt, or I don't know what happened, but can we just pause here? Can you tell me what is going on? Um, Being kind, being curious, being say it's nobody's fault. (laughs) It's this crazy negative yeah. cycle between us it's yeah. not your fault this is the biggest one everybody thinks it's their fault yeah. or it's the other person's fault so just kind of like taking away the fault giving and say it's nobody's fault and we're two different people with two different needs and we're so mm-hmm. different and let's figure out you know what how we can just be in this moment together with kindness and compassion and listening care. It, it, it seems to me and it, I, I don't know either of you want to speak to this but it takes courage to do that this is Brenny Brown's work again to courage to be this vulnerable yes. to yes. to take responsibility for your part in it not necessarily I like the idea of not not the not being your fault but you know taking responsibility for your part in it yeah. that takes a lot of courage to be yeah. able to do that well, we have we, a- you, yeah, go on, Brett. Yeah. We have a concept called healthy shame, which may be, ah, which right. is where you really, uh, you accept your own limitations. 
Uh, healthy shame is I'm a flawed human being, a uh, limited human being, just like, like all human beings. And I have certain strengths and I have certain weaknesses. And that's the way it is. And so uh, accepting your limitations sometimes is extremely important. Um, for men, there's a lot of times where they feel they're supposed to be fixing things. Uh, the, the most common interaction between men and women is a woman says something and the man then tries to fix it. You know, I had this problem with my job today. Well, why don't you quit? You can, you know, it's, it's like there's a jumping that happens there. And for a man to accept, gee, I really can't fix this. This is a separate person. And, and for everybody to accept, this is a separate person from me. I'm not inside them. I don't know exactly what's going on. I need to be humble. I need to be curious. Uh, that, that's what we would call healthy shame, uh, that you accept your limitations. And that really, it's, it's the refusal to accept limitations that causes a, a great deal of the problem. And, and I don't want to, I mean, I do think people can definitely help themselves, but I don't want to minimize the need for couples therapy either, because sometimes yeah. you get in this loop and you really can't get out of it. And if that's the case, you, you need some help because yes. the help is about slowing you down so you can reassess what's going on. If you can do that yourself, you're in great shape. In other words, if the couple, like Sheila said, if the couple can reassess, if the couple can slow down, if the if the guy, the person who's really angry at the moment can take a little walk and calm down, um, if people can accept, yeah, I, I am limited, I didn't mean to hurt you, but I clearly did, and I'm sorry about that, that would be a help mm -hmm. shame kind of response. And then the most important thing I want to say about shame and couples is that shame freezes our nervous system physiologically and we're not able to think clearly so somebody who is not you know they're just like going about their life something gets triggered in the couple relationship and one or both people they have a brain freeze and they start mm -hmm. saying silly things to the partner that is often the shame coming online so I counter shame the couple and say you know it sounds like you you're you know your brain is going to freeze when your nervous system goes into shame and it's mm -hmm. important to be able to understand it's not your fault it's not your partner's fault but this is this is shame in your body you can't think clearly mm -hmm. and then um, that is a huge piece um, and Sue Johnson talks about facing the dragon together. And so being able yes. to face the shame dragon together, I, I add the shame piece, is like being able to face not just the fear dragon, but the shame dragon together. How do we as a couple face this shame dragon together when it makes one or both people feel like they can't speak clearly, when it makes one or both people feel like, um, you know, something's really wrong with them or really wrong with the partner. How do we face the shame dragon together with curiosity and empathy and care and connection? Mm -hmm. Well, why, why have we wired with shame? Why, why, I assume animal in the kingdom um, has, has is, is has shame in their system. What? Why? Why are we wired for shame? Um, do you want to answer that, Sheila? Well, I think we're wired for shame. It, it has a developmental purpose, and so all along, mm -hmm. um, some people may know Erickson's developmental stages. You know, like industry versus inferiority, but just kind of like each of the developmental stages that a person goes through each year of their life, um, there's one where they grow and there's one that is kind of like they circle around in kind of a shame place for a while until um, they can figure it out. So it's wired in our nervous system to help us want to look at you know, another person and go, oh, they figured it out. What are they doing? And try and adjust mm -hmm. what we're doing and, and grow. It's also wired there for socialization, for um, how to fit in society. Every family um, uses shame. It would be, if it could be healthy shame, 
to like teach kids well how do you dress in order to go to school <laughs> it's like you right. have to dress you have to wear you know clothes to go to school and um, these are the clothes you have to wear you know because it was summer and now it's the fall and so like very subtle things you know we use a little bit of shame to kind of teach a kid you know it's like well if everybody else is you know you know, wearing this, you know, you don't want to, you know, it's like, it's subtle, but there's ways yes. of teaching how to yes. fit in yes. society, how to fit in the family. Add something to that. I mean, yeah. to, to make it very simple, shame is designed to keep us out of trouble. That's what it's really for. Mm. It's, it's a free state where it, it slows us down and it gets us to, uh, basically freeze, which is you've got fight, flight, or freeze. And freeze right. is also a protective state. If you're frozen and you're hidden, then nobody can see you. So uh, it's really there for that purpose to uh, allow us to find, to, to not say stupid things, not do violent things. It, it's there to uh, limit our behavior. But there's a cost to that. But there's a cost, and it depends mm-hmm. on the level of shame. That's why we like the term healthy shame, because there is a level of shame that's low-key, that's just enough to kind of get us to reassess what we're doing. Wait a minute, wait a minute, this this really is not so good. I, I'm going to change my behavior here. That would be a healthy piece of shame. But unfortunately, a little shame is such a powerful emotion. It's mm-hmm. Some people would call it the master emotion because it it can it can bind with every other emotion and lower that. Yeah. So you go into that free state. So yeah, so a little bit goes a long way and there is a toxic component where it takes over, it really freezes the whole system. So to go back to the couples thing, I think one other thing we can talk about is counter shaming, uh, which couples can do with each other. And I was just thinking off the top of my head of the compliment sandwich. Like if you have a complaint, this is something I, I don't do enough of. If you have a complaint, you cut, you sandwich it in between two compliments. So <laughs> I this, and it really bothers me when this happens. And I also like this part. So it's it's kind of a you know it's it's a little formulaic, but it really can help us. If you have a complaint, you have to make to kind of put it in a context. This is not all I think about you. This is this piece of complaint that I have. And as, as the complainer in the relationship, I, I know that as well. You call that a complaint sandwich, Brett? A compliment sandwich. It's a compliment sandwich. You, you, you compliment sandwich, okay. Two pieces of compliment. I love it. That's a wonderful, wonderful thing to take away. Um, we're having to uh, wind up in a few minutes, and I just wondered if you could speak, uh, perhaps, Sheila, to your to um, the work you're doing in terms of training. And uh, I believe you have a, a free pamphlet on of this on your website. Yes. Can you speak yes. To that. Oh yeah. Well, we have a wonderful pamphlet. It's called the uh, Shame. What is it called? Um, it's the uh, resilience, um, creativity, and uh, hidden shame guidebook. It's free on our website, www.healingshame.com. And then we also do, there's many free um, uh, articles that we've written about shame on our website for free. And then we also do um, workshops, CE workshops for people who are therapists and nurses and um, social workers and uh, teachers who want to come to our uh, workshop and office in Berkeley, or we now do work online. So people needing, you know, wanting to learn about shame, we have a whole series of uh, almost 10 um, 13 hour workshops on what shame is, how to work with it in, um, you know, couples, individuals, um, you know, children, adults, you know, it's, it's, it's very uh, complex and would love to hear from anybody who wants to go to our website, download our free um, guide. Um, And if you have any questions, we'd love to, to hear from you about our workshops. Yeah, we also have free um, free webinars on there as well, so you can kind of see us in action. And um, 
we're, we're reaching out. It's, it's really important that this work, this is our mission in life, um, uh-huh. is reach out and get this across because we, uh, I certainly didn't get any help with it when I needed it. And there is, uh, it's a missing piece. It's the mysterious emotion that tends to be missed in terms of what motivates us, what gets us to do things. Uh-huh. So we're trying to reach out. Mostly, uh, our reach out is mostly to helping professionals, but all helping professionals. We consider, you know, nurses, doctors, uh, lawyers. Um, uh, we, we work mostly with therapists, but we're o- nurses. We're open uh, ministers. We've had decent number of ministers in the training, um, clergy. So we're looking to reach people so that they can begin to heal shame. And mm. the website, which is amazing, I got it, shows you how uncovered it is. Uh, we got healingshame.com, you know, yeah, easy. healing shame. Yeah. So we also have training people as uh, as shame, healing shame practitioners to do the work. Mostly they're, they're licensed therapists. Some of them are not, uh, mm-hmm. but they're trained in other areas. And specifically to to uh, provide the public with places they can go where this mysterious, unexplored, un, uh, untouched emotion, not dealt with in therapy since Freud refused to deal with it. Uh, it can be explored and dealt with. Yeah, I really appreciate the work you've done today. I, it's When I first started this work and wanting to do this radio show, it seemed to me to be this huge gap. It was like the elephant in the room. It's the elephant, yeah, exactly. exactly. It, nobody's, not even therapists, well, you're saying that too, but in it's, my experience, therapists the, didn't know what to do with it. They, they didn't know what to do with it. Put it aside. Can we not talk about it? Yeah, that's right, which is exactly what you need to be doing, which is talking about it. So I can't thank you enough for for getting us going on this conversation, a particular relation to this dynamic that keeps this dance that couples do, that goes back and forth, back and forth, harming, harming in the name of love. Right. It's, it's right. so counter, right. so counter it, to it what is, they. It is the elephant in the room. I love it. And in fact, our uh, our website, our core workshop, the little illustration we have for it is an elephant in the room. Oh, elephant. really? Okay. Yeah. Because it's. I mean, and, and with couples, it's the elephant in the room. Yeah, it's the part that they're not talking about. Because they don't. They don't even, even aware of it. It's not even. Yeah. They're not, not discussing it. They're not aware of it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you both of you. Brett you and Sheila. You are so welcome. You are so welcome. Such a pleasure. We're honored to be here. Well, let's Please join us for another edition of the program next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again next week.